Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, founder of Megan Hall Motivation. I motivate and inspire women to create their own version of a thriving life. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories and chat about topics relevant to today's modern women. Don't forget to join our virtual community on Facebook, the Inspire Women Community. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Hey guys, I'm here with my friend Jesse. Jesse and I were both beach body coaches together, and that's how we met originally. And she joined the Inspired Women community, and I asked in there, does anybody struggle with postpartum depression? I'm like, I really need to have a conversation about this. I don't know if I did because I struggle with depression anyway, so it could have been any of it. Um, But I know that's something a lot of women struggle with, and you know how we are on the podcast. I just want to chat about things that people don't like to talk about because, you know, it needs to be put out there. So Jessie Harris Bowen is a wife, mom of three, almost four. I know. Congratulations. I'm so excited. Thank you. I love seeing your little announcement on Facebook. What was it, about four weeks ago? With the sex. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So excited. She's an author, speaker, brick and mortar, physical therapy, business owner of 16 years, certified lifestyle and success mentor, and the winningness. Every time you say that, I'm like, how does she say that word? Winningness. <laughs> 300 mile per hour jet dragster driver. She's super passionate about teaching others to take conscious control of their life, rev up their self-happiness, and create their best life ever, personally and professionally, through the power of mindset and intentional living. Thank you, Jesse, for agreeing to come on the podcast. I know this is like a heavy topic and, and a lot of women um, don't want to talk about it and just kind of like you know, anything mental health related, you know, that's there's that stigma and people don't really take it seriously. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your experience with PPD with it's PPD, right? Yeah, postpartum depression. I'm trying to think. Uh, my brain's <laughs> not functioning at the highest level, uh, but today... And uh, so share a little bit with us about your struggles um, and how, like, how you discovered it. Because you said it took, when we were talking about it, you said it, it took a little while for you to admit that that's what you were struggling with. Yeah, exactly, Megan. And thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so excited. I've been following you, like you said, since the Beachbody days. And then once I saw everything else that you were doing, of course, I was just like, oh, I love her. I have to follow everything she's doing. (laughs) And I am all about supporting women in business, especially this entrepreneurial lifestyle. So um, I was so excited when you did put out the feelers for if anybody had, you know, something to talk about on this topic. And it's it's something that I'll be honest with you. I don't even think that I have fully shared with my own community. Um, the way I ended up becoming a certified life coach was because I was struggling with postpartum depression and a lot of other things in life that just had me in a bad, bad place. And it wasn't who I was for the previous 30 years of my life. And, um, I just realized that for me, I had to finally take control and, I've shared that, I guess, shared that I was depressed and shared that I had these struggles and and what they were, but I didn't really share um, the dirty details of, oh my gosh, I think it really was the postpartum that started it. But again, I think it's because I've really never fully admitted to it. I didn't go on medication or anything like that. Um, And, and that was kind of one of the things I I was in denial about it. Several people mentioned to me that they thought, you know, you should see the doctor. Um, 
And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, I'm stressed. I'm, I'm busy. I work a lot. I have, I already have another baby. And so I could kind of go on and on and on here, but bringing you back to the beginning was really after my second baby. So like you said, um, I was a former 300 mile an hour jet dragster driver. I got paid to travel for a living, to live my dream. I always wanted to drive race cars and I always wanted to have a platform that was big enough to allow me to inspire other people to chase their dreams. So I did that and I would have continued had as a female, you've been able to drive 300 mile an hour race cars and be pregnant, (laughs) (laughs) but that doesn't work. So I decided to retire because my other dream was always to be a mom and I wanted a big family. So, you know, we, my husband and I immerse ourselves in our physical therapy business and we do a couple other side businesses as well. We have our first baby. Life is great. And I really had no signs or symptoms then at all. I was just, I think in that glorious phase of motherhood, you know, um, and then life gets crazy because we talk about having another baby, but we are working crazy hours. I'm bringing my son with me. Um, who's only a year old to school or to work with me and trying to actually function there. I mean, I was completely running the business with a one-year-old by my side and now pregnant and oh, so, but you still go through the motions and end up having my second baby and getting to stay home for like two days. That was it. Um, we had somebody leave last minute, uh, nothing bad at our office, but just a situation that they couldn't be prevented and they, they had to leave town. And that meant I had to just go back to work two days later. Um, and from there is when I think I I just got kind of lost because I was so focused on making sure that my older son was taken care of, um, that work was taken care of. Oh, and by the way, I I broke my leg when I was eight and a half months pregnant for that second baby too. Yeah. So all of that is how it started. And I just spiraled out of control because I couldn't keep up. I could not keep up, but I had this problem of always wanting to be the best and to not ask for help. And, um, I just, I didn't take care of myself. I neglected me. Everything was making sure my husband and my children were taken care of and the business. And I ate like crap, never slept. Um, I just, like I said, really spiraled out of control. And when anybody like my husband or my mother said, you know, maybe you should see, you know, if, 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 if the doctor wants to talk to you, you, you just, you know, you're crying all the time. <laughs> and I was like, are you talking to me? No. You know, um, that defense mechanism goes up because, you know, I have never dealt with any sort of depression really in my life. I, I had some struggles growing up. I lost my dad young and this and that, but I really became a positive person from it. I grew from it. So I learned how to be in control of my emotions. And this was, you know, the hormones and stuff evidently is what was causing me to be different, um, this time around, but I didn't believe it. And I went really almost a year before I finally admitted it to myself and talked to someone about it. So from there, um, I re it makes me sad that I haven't shared this story in depth with people before, because I think that 
it's like one of the things I love most about your podcast, Megan, is you are bringing attention to dirty stories that people are scared to talk about, especially us women, because we do carry the stigma of always wanting to put on this appearance. And that's exactly what I did on on the outside. Everyone thought my life was great. And, and it was, I had a good life. Um, but that being said, didn't mean I didn't have my own internal struggles. So on the inside, I was just, you know, I'm telling myself I wasn't good enough in anything, not worthy. I was fat. I was ugly. And you know, none of that was true. But at that time, I, I really was at a point where I, I had considered telling my husband that I wasn't um, right for him or the kids, that they needed somebody that was better for them. And that, that was the, um, that was the reality for me was this has been my dream and now I'm doing everything to try to get away from it. Yeah. What a lot of people don't realize is, yeah, you could be like you where you never struggled with depression your entire life, but those hormones that like take part of your body after you have a baby, even if the first baby or the second baby was okay, it could be the third or fourth baby that does it and really reaching out and getting that help. Because like you said about like you feeling you're not good enough, my last suicide attempt, that was exactly how I felt. I told my husband like, you and the kids would be much better off without me. I'm just going to leave this world, all of this. And people, it's it's so easy to fake it on the outside. Like people look at me like, you're so happy, you're bubbly. I'm like, but there are days. Like today yeah. you um, commented on my video, my daughter's moving up with her father. And like today yeah. I'm struggling, man. Like, because there's things yeah. that will trigger you. So what yeah. did it feel like for you when you, like, what kind of feelings were coming up? Some people say it's like they're being sucked down by a dark hole or it's like this, constant spiral like what were your feelings how would you describe your feelings of what you were going through at that time so the one thing it's kind of funny um I call it my my tunnel vision um I had this just constant um need and worry to always make sure I was multitasking which is like they say I'm a great multitasker but I know it's the world's worst thing to do to effectively and, and quality, um, give, give good quality. But, um, I had what was just called this tunnel vision. And when I would get into my super depressed mode, that was all I could see. And I went from being mom of the year, <laughs> you know, to, cause I nursed all of my children for a year and, you know, there I was with this baby and I was, I didn't want to feed him. I was so depressed that that tunnel vision was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to call my husband. He's going to have to bring home milk or something. And this kid's just going to have to, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I know that that carries a whole other level to it as well. Um, you know, women who do nurse full time strictly is, you know, that has its own beast. And I was just silly for trying to add that on top of everything else that I had going on. But again, that's that I can do it all. I'm, I'm great. I don't need help. Um, but for me, it was really just a dark hole. I called it tunnel vision. I couldn't see anything else. I wasn't worried about anything else. All I knew is that I was in such a bad place and I wasn't who my kids needed. They needed somebody that could love on them. I actually now some people with postpartum will have, um, this feeling of they really resent their children. Mm -hmm. I actually did never really got that fully. I had the moments where I was like, 
you're not going, you're not, you're not latching onto this thing right now, buddy. <laughs> Too bad you're not eating um, for, you know, a few moments, but then I would, then I would break down and that would make me feel so much worse about myself. So I had that immediate, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? And crying and feeling awful for the baby and loving on them. I really never resented them in any other way. That was the one thing um, that was hardest for me. And, and that was like that split moment every time of, but I did it regularly yeah. every day, at least one nursing session every day. I was like, can you just wait, <laughs> you know, and that was not me. I was always with my first baby. Um, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and I'd do it anywhere. No big deal. And that tunnel vision would just take me down into this. Oh, woe is me. So depressed. So somebody needs to help me, but yet I would still never ask. Yeah. So for me, it was just a dark, dark tunnel vision. Yeah. People can't see, you can't see. It's like, it's as selfish as it sounds. It's all about you and about the things that are going inside your head. Like sometimes when I'm feeling depressed, my children are big kids. Like they're not little kids, but sometimes I resent them. I'm like, are you seriously asking me to feed you right now? Do you not know the struggle I'm going through? And then I have to like bring myself back around and be like, okay, okay, okay. This is not their, their stuff. This is your stuff, you know? And I'm somebody that has combated depression naturally, but that does not mean that I'm anti like medication. Cause I know some people need that. And I know that that's how, where you were t- standing and saying to me as well, Jesse, is that you weren't anti-medication, but you just couldn't admit that you needed that extra help and you were able to combat it, um, with natural effective things where that your third baby, you didn't experience that. It was just with the second baby. Yeah, exactly. So when I finally admitted to myself that I did have PPD, I was like, okay, what are we going to do about this? We're going to be super proactive. Should I go speak to the doctor? Should I get medication? And I talked it over with my husband. And of course, God bless the man was just a hundred percent on board, whatever I needed to do. And for me, the one thing that I've always been is you get yourself into a situation, you get yourself out of it. So I wanted to try to be proactive and take control of the situation naturally first before I went to medication. And, but I had a timeline because at that point I knew it was detrimental to, you know, my marriage to um, my children. And so I had a timeline all figured out where if it didn't work, we would go and speak to the doctor which I did speak to him. Um, actually, I, I consulted with him about it, and he agreed that it was fine to try the natural course first. Um, but my point is, is that I, I delayed medication and ended up never going on it because I'll tell you, for me, it was like a light switch, a light switch that went dark when the depression set in, and then like a light switch that turned on when I finally was admitting to it and recognizing that, um, with a little bit of self love and control, I could probably get myself out. Now it didn't happen overnight. I would say it was probably about four weeks before I actually felt like, I think I'm, I think I'm seeing a change and seeing a difference and I'm going to get through this and not need medication. But, um, it really, for me was 
being extremely strict. So postpartum depression for me came because I was doing everything and I had no sort of schedule. I just tried to do it all whenever anybody needed. And that meant when I was working from home with the kids and somebody called me, I would just drop it from my office. Uh, I would just drop everything I did to try to fix that problem at the office. When really I pay them very well, I needed to say, you try to figure it out. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, and, but that's how I was handling everything in life. Somebody was at the door. Guess what? Sometimes you just don't go answer the door. That wasn't me. Oh my gosh. They know I'm home. I can't just ignore the door. So I started to actually schedule everything in my life, which included significant me time in my, not just once a week in my daily schedule mm-hmm. and making certain I tried to have some sort of sleep schedule. I was really always feeling like I could never catch up, whether it was house stuff or work stuff. So I wasn't sleeping very much at all. And then you add in when the baby didn't sleep that night or something. Um, so that was, that was the trigger for me. I say that I was one of the lucky ones that got to figure out how to do it naturally. Not everybody is able to do that. And the truth is, because I had a history of being extremely positive in negative situations and um, having these high roads and these these extreme successes based on my own intentional living lifestyle that I had previous, I was able to start implementing that again. It was just that major career and major life change, I think, that happened in a whirlwind where I got lost. But the truth is, is not everybody can do it naturally. So I don't try to ever preach that to anyone. I'm happy to help them try to figure out how to do it naturally as I did. But the truth is not everybody can. Yeah. Self-care is a huge part of me being able to deal with my depression. It really is. Absolutely. Where there are days like um, Monday <laughs> where I literally was just, I cleared my schedule. Like I cleared house. I'm like, I can't human and being an adult today, I really just need to like take care of me and whatever aspect that looks like so that I can start feeling like a normal person again and not be struggling right now. And if I don't listen to that, it becomes like this crazy spiral where I just go out of control and then nobody sees the person that, you know, people are like, oh, you're so motivational. You're so inspirational. Like, wow, that really helps me. And I won't help anybody like if I don't help myself first and I got to take that time for me. Um, So I'm so glad that's something that you started implementing as well, because that self-care piece is huge, especially when you have kids, babies at home, like, because you're already giving so much to a little one, Um, especially if you have other kids. And then on top of that, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're running out of energy to give them. Um, so what was like the, the trigger? Do you remember the, like the moment where you were like, oh crap, I really need to do something about this. Like this is like, was it a conversation? Like, or was it a specific moment where you were just like, enough is enough. Like I cannot continue to con- pretend like this isn't a problem. So, um, there's kind of, it's kind of two part. I knew that I was in a bad place. I just still wasn't admitting it, but I, I really did know that things needed to change. Still not admitting it. (laughs) The first thing that happened, and this actually happened in the same day. 
So the first thing that happened is my almost two year old, um, or he was just, just over two, but, uh, my, my oldest son, my two year old dropped something and broke it. And it was, um, this adorable little clay foot imprint that I made for, with his foot for his father, for his first father's day. And he dropped it and it broke into pieces and I flipped out. (laughs) I mean, like never had I really yelled. I mean, of course, little kids, you know, they, they have to be told, no, you can't do that. But I mean, I, I just, I flipped out on him and then I sat there sobbing uncontrollably with my two-year-old and my dog, you know, all over me. Cause they didn't understand why I'm crying. The baby is now um, crying in his little crib thing because I just went off the deep end <laughs> over nothing. It wasn't that big of a deal. I actually am not very materialistic, but in that moment, that that killed me because that was something so sentimental. And I I just sat there on the floor for probably 10 minutes just crying and crying and crying and and really wanting to just disappear. So um and not even worried about when I say just disappear, like just disappear and not worry about what would happen to my kids who are home alone. I that's how I was like, holy cow, this is not me. So I call my husband and I say, you have to come straight home from work. He works a lot of hours because we own our clinic and we have a few other businesses. And I said, you have to come home straight from work today. I had a really bad day and I can't explain it to you right now or I'm going to cry. So just come straight home. And he's like, do you need me now? And I said, nope, because again, see, I can take care of it all. I got over that hump. So he comes home and I said, I have to go for a drive. I just have to get out of this house. I just have to get out. So I go for a drive and I'm listening to this part. I I can't fully remember. I'm listening to something on the radio and somebody was talking about a book that inspired them. And I had had this book called The Purpose Driven Life for a long time sitting on my shelf. And I was always like, what is that? What is that book? So as this person on the radio is talking about a book that changed their life, I'm like, I got to go home and read this book, The Purpose Driven Life, because I have my life means nothing. I don't want to be just a stay at home mom. I don't want to be just a, um, you know, own my business with my husband and work here and there. And, and I, I, I don't like this life. I hate it. I know that I need to do these things, but nothing fills my soul. And I am a person that I don't know anymore. And I just came home and I started reading this book, The Purpose Driven Life. And in it, um, it literally said something along the same lines of, we can only be so much. You have to recognize that you have to have something that fills your soul. What is it? You know, and, and weed this out and weed that out. And that was it. Like, it was the light. It was the aha moment. It was the choir angel singing. Ah. <laughs> um, it was you have to stop doing for everybody else and have to start doing for you. And in turn, I'm actually very much a giver. I enjoy giving. Um, that is always going to be a huge part of my life, but I had just forgotten to take care of me. So that I I literally never, that was in that day, in that moment, I chose right then, right there to make a change effective immediately, not tomorrow, not next week, not Monday, not after I talked to the doctor, 
talked to my husband about it as I'm reading. I woke him up in the middle of the night actually reading this book. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was super supportive. And, and, and that was it. It was, okay, you are going to take your life back and, and never, ever look back from this moment. Not everybody can do that. And I know that. So um, sometimes that's what scares me. When I, and I think actually that's the truth. That's what scares me in sharing the story because I don't want people to think it does sound very um, bells and whistles, you know, or the silver lining in the cloud. But for me, I will say there is a lot of power in intentional living. It's actually why I ended up writing a book about it. Although I share nothing of that story in it, I share very much how I was lost. I was going through the motions of life. I was just accepting everything that came to me even the bad, um, blaming, making excuses, blaming it on circumstance and, um, how I decided to live my life by choice and not by chance anymore. And that's it. But I never talk about the PPD because why you're scared. I was, exactly. I was terrified of it. I was embarrassed of it. Um, I, nobody knew me as that mom because on the outside, she was the most amazing mom juggling two kids, going in the grocery store here, there, doing it all. Boo, boo, boo. <gasps> I can't admit that I had this depression and there was nothing to feel ashamed of with that. But it wasn't me. So what is the name it, of your book so that people can grab it? I'm going to link it up in the show notes too. Yeah. So the name of the book is called the rush revolution and rush is an acronym for revving up self happiness. Oh, I like that. So yeah, I actually did it because it's also a play on words for, um, the rush of my racing life, because I do share quite a bit of stories in there as well from, from that history. Um, but it's revving up self happiness through the power of intentional living. It's taking conscious control of your life and creating something that's more in tune with your dreams. And I say that on any level, you know, for me at this time, it was just being a confident, happy, whole mother and business owner. Um, and it has certainly evolved from there and grown, but the book just gives you positive and practical techniques that you can apply to your life effective immediately and start seeing results. Oh, see, that's right up my alley. Those kind of things make me happy inside. (laughs) (laughs) But I love the fact that you have now, like, do you feel like you just released a weight off of you that you've talked on this? You know, this is going to go out in public and people are going to hear this. Like, how does that make you feel? Well, it's actually really exciting. And I'm glad that I didn't like break down. I know I got a little teary eyed for a moment, but I'm, I'm glad that I didn't break down because I actually, it's just, it's, it's a realization of, I need to share this more. There are so many people that need to hear that and, and they need to see it from somebody. A lot of people will hold me on a pedestal because again, they see the successes that I've had in my life in the past. They see how I've gotten over that hump and I've got the success now in my life, uh, personally and professionally, but so many people need to hear that part of the story as well. And how sad that I just was in denial and neglect and, and too scared to share it until now. And I think that was kind of a healing process for me when you posted that in the group and I saw nobody else said anything and nobody else said anything that they had any experience. And I'm like, you know what? You need to talk about this. You need to share it because you have an honest story about it. And 
it's going to be healing for you. There's a stigma attached to anything mental health related. And I think that's a lot of times why people hesitate because a couple weeks before or a week before I posted about anybody ever struggle with mental health related issues. And out of what, like almost, we have almost a hundred people in there now. uh, We had two people say like, I struggle with mental health. And I'm like, I know that's BS because it's like one out of four or something like that. But nobody would speak up because there's a stigma attached to it. So I'm like so proud of you for coming forward because even if a woman has not had the same story as you, it will inspire other women who are going through this that they're not alone and maybe they will go and get help or maybe they will go and talk to somebody so they don't feel like they're struggling. Exactly. And and that's how I started my coaching business was because I wanted them to recognize that it's okay to want more out of life and it's okay to not be happy with where you're at, to like your life, but not to love it. So when, when you posted that, I'm like, I already am doing that. I'm just not being a hundred percent honest. Mm. Didn't realize I wasn't being it until you posted it. And then I'm like, wow, <laughs> what an eye opener. And we all think that we, we have our stuff together from time to time. So when you do have those epiphanies of, yeah, totally don't, for me, it, like I said, it's very healing and it's, it helps me grow. So now I know, um, that it's something I can share more in my own community with my own, um, clients and I'm certain to inspire them, not to mention who else I might touch in the future. So, yes, this is amazing. And I'm so sad that we're going to have to finish up with our final five questions, but I'm, I, I have to stress again, how proud I am of you for coming on the podcast. And before we do the final five questions, if you could just give women out there who are struggling right now with postpartum depression, one word of advice or one thing you want them to take away, what would you want them to know? To not feel like they have to be the hero that they want to be. It's funny, I share with um, my clients in my coaching business that you have the power to be the hero or the author of your own life story. But the truth is, in a situation like postpartum depression, you want to be that hero. You don't want to own up to it and admit to it. And it's okay to need help. It's okay to ask for help. Sometimes by giving up that control, you become the hero because you're taking back control by asking for help. Yes, I love that. Yes, ask for help and and find communities like Jesse's or mine or both to help you when you're struggling with that sort of things. I I made a Facebook Live video today about how you we can't do this alone and we have to have community around. We have to have those people who are going to help support us because when we're sitting inside of our house thinking like I'm the only one struggling right now, that's a really lonely place. It is. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the support of the communities, especially a women community, because men are great. I mean, I love my (laughs) husband and he is fantastic. But the truth is, is even though I might not experience something or have never experienced something that you have or someone else has, I have compassion as a woman Mm -hmm. and I understand and I will try to relate and, you know, try to figure out, like you said, with the story you posted today about, you know, stuff you're going through with your daughter, I was like, (gasps) I love you. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, it's going to be okay. I, I don't have any personal experience with that, but I just wanted you to know that you were supported and that 
you know, we're here to help you get through it. And, and that's one of the most beautiful things is, is know that you should surround yourself with people that are going to help you. I was absolutely blown away because making that video was not to, to like get compassion or empathy. It was because I know a lot of people will judge and think like, you know, he took her, her daughter away from her. Oh, he's horrible. When people really needed to know that it was my daughter's decision to go live with her father. And I was hurting at first and almost didn't let it happen. But it was pointed out to me by my husband that it'll just push her further away. So I needed to support her decision and it would allow her to connect with her father, which she's never really had the chance to do. And so I put aside my ego <laughs> and just said, okay. Yeah. It's going to happen, but I made that video so people wouldn't go and jump, you know, up his throat and be like, oh, how dare you? Or people wouldn't be like wondering, you know, like, oh, how'd this happen? Did she get her daughter taken away? No, I'm going to put it out there. People like she made that decision and I supported her. And, and today as we're recording this, um, she will be going to live with him in July. So and I appreciated all these comments because that's you're right that the community is important because people will support you like that. Not one person was like, oh, shame on you. Everybody was so supportive and so nice about this. Um, so what does authenticity mean to you? I know it's a buzzword, but I feel like if it's used appropriately, it can be a very powerful word. It just makes me really sad that it's become such a buzzword. Yeah, it's funny. It has become a huge buzzword, but, um, I'm so, again, I think we're sitting here talking about my story and I'm finally being authentic to me, <laughs> you know, um, recently somebody sent me a note, kind of a distant friend only through social media, but they said, Oh my goodness, you've changed so much with things that you share on social media or in your emails. And I was like, really? I'm the same person. What do you, you know, in what way? And then they explained that, um, I'm just talking in actually the talk that I would right here with you live, um, or that I'm putting things out there that I've in the past been maybe fearful of being judged by and, and such. And to me, that's what authenticity is, is embracing a hundred percent who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, and knowing that, there's nothing wrong with any of it, that it's all in how you react to it and how you move forward from it. So for me, when I finally am being authentic to myself and admitting this postpartum depression that I've had, it's now what can I do to serve myself better and what can I do to serve others better by being my authentic self and sharing. So I think that's a huge thing. Like you said, it is a buzzword, but it's, it's such an important one that people don't understand. They're like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, be authentic. No, explain that, you know, live authentically. And every person we've had on the podcast has said it differently. So that's why I love to ask that question because some people have said things that I'm like, I never thought of it that way. That is amazing. Or like when you were talking, the one word that kept popping in my head was genuine. And I was like, yes, that's authentic, it's genuine. And um, so we know you've talked about self-care earlier when we were talking, but how do you make self-care, or how do you make time for self-care today? And I know that's another buzzword, but we all know we need to make that time for ourselves. Yeah, and actually it's a buzzword, but I think that people... Um, people only see self-care as a buzzword. So it's kind of like a boom here today, gone tomorrow. Whereas I see self-care as a total wellness lifestyle. You know, I live this total wellness lifestyle that's embracing and encompassing mind, body, and soul. And it's not something I do here or there. It's something I've made a part of my life every single day 
for the rest of my life since since that day I told you I had my breakdown and I read that book. Um, that isn't something I will never give up. It's understanding that I need to make time for um, eating well and exercising and putting the music on and dancing like a crazy woman and being okay with sitting in front of the TV on a rare occasion. I'm not a TV person, but sometimes you have to disconnect and put a movie on or something. Um, read a book that isn't work related, you know, find something that you can really see joy in. Um, just be okay to, like you said the other day, cancel your day because you know you need it. And sometimes for me, it's more of, I know I need it with my kids. Um, but that's what self-care is. It's always recognizing every single day and it's truly scheduling it. Not, um, I have what I call a morning power start ritual. And some days my kids, I have three kids. I'm pregnant. Life is crazy. Some days my morning power start ritual doesn't happen because the baby got up at five when I did. Um, and then life just gets crazy and, and whatever, but it's still fitting it in later. And although it might have to be modified or shortened, it's making certain that those things that make me feel like a better person inside are still a part of my, my daily schedule. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. And you talked that you've been married for quite some time, um, but relationships aren't just about marriage. Often when I talk about relationships, people think automatically romantic or marriage, and but it could be friendships and family and, you know, communities. And I mean, you and I have a relationship right now because I'm the interviewer, you're the interviewee, you know, you have a relationship with everybody that you meet. So what is one tip that you have for creating positive relationships? I think you should always go into any relationship planning to give more than you take. Um, it's, it's funny because I've been married. Actually, we just celebrated our seven year anniversary, but we were together six years before that. Yeah. Thank you. We're like, we made it over. What do they call it? The seven year itch or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, it's one of those things that the old me, when I was in my depressed mode, blamed everything on my husband. You know, um, I really only saw it as in, well, he didn't do this and he didn't do that, or he did do this and I didn't appreciate it. And the truth is, is in any relationship in life, whether like you said, it's marriage or friendships, I try to always walk into them with giving more than I take. And if I get something in return, then how beautiful, but it's never expected. And it doesn't change the way I treat that person. Now I might choose over time to distance myself because they aren't, um, being kind or something in return, but, um, I never wish ill things. I never treat them poorly. I just choose to distance myself. So, um, always give more than you take. Yes. And sometimes you do, you have to just uh, even though you're giving at more than you take is, uh, we had Shasta Nelson on the podcast, her podcast interview be, will be airing right before yours. And she said it takes five positive, um, interactions to negate every negative interaction you have with somebody. So if you're having that one person, that's all like, you know, it's overpowering negative. Sometimes you do have to distance yourself. It's about self-care and boundaries. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's recognizing that those people are what will tend to drag you down. For me, it's funny. I, I have actually lost a lot of friends over the years because I choose to not 
go out to them with them to dinner. You know, they'll ask several times and I'm just like, Oh, you know, you make me feel bad when I'm around you because all you do is complain or all you do is gripe, you know, or point this flaw out about that person or talk behind somebody's back. That's not me. So, um, you know, the one thing that I even always try to do is surround myself with on social media, only people that are inspirational. Now they might share some things that are negative, but it's only because they want you to learn and grow from it. So like yourself, when you share something about depression or something, it's not because you're complaining and you want to, you know, just be that way. <laughs> it's because you want to help yourself get out of that funk and you want to help others see that this is normal. I mean, I absolutely a hundred percent still have bad days. Um, if you don't, you're a liar, <laughs> but it's really choosing to surround yourself with the people that are going to inspire that positivity. I was just gonna say, make it become sub- subconscious, you know, like second nature. I think the difference between like my posts and other people's posts is, um, it's not coming from a place of a victim mentality. I'm not like, exactly. woe is me because I'm going through this. I always like when I share something that is not so positive, I always make sure that there is a lesson or there's a positive spin or there's something that people can take away versus me just being like, my life sucks. Oh my gosh, everything's falling <laughs> apart. You know, there's a different way of saying it to where people will feel um, uplifted versus feeling like you just drained them from stuff. And, and that's how friends are like, you know, they might have bad stuff that are going on their, their lives and they need to talk to you, but how are they talking to you? That's the difference. Or talking about absolutely. You. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, are they sharing with you because they they're looking for your help or your advice, or are they just looking to somewhat be cruel and get that off their chest and not care who it hurts elsewise. So yeah, no, I agree. And I'm, I feed off of energy and you don't even realize how quickly negative energy can overtake positive energy. For me, I might be riding high for three days and I spend five minutes with one person or five minutes at look at someone's social media feed. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, my life sucks. And you know, that three days was gone in five minutes. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you a hundred percent. So what is one struggle that you have as a modern woman? Ooh. (laughs) So as a modern woman, I, um, really want to, this isn't the struggle part yet, but (laughs) I really want to own my businesses and, change the world. You know, I I have a a vision and a mission to be a world leader in a positive culture shift for people to achieve their best life ever, you know, their individual success that's related to what they truly want and to do that through the power of intentional living. But that being said is that is a modern woman's dream. That is a, a modern woman way of thinking. I also really love just being a mom <laughs> and that is old school, you know? Um, so my, my favorite thing about it right now is, and I don't know that I would call it a struggle, but it's just trying to find that happy medium of finding balance, which does not exist in, in my opinion. There is no true balance. It's always just going, you know, up and down, up and down, but finding that balance of being able to be that stay at home mom type who also is running a really successful business and has really big goals to do something more, not just for myself, but you know, I ultimately want to change the world. I want to set an example for my children. Um, so I don't know that you could call it a struggle. It's just more of 
I'm going to do it. Just going to figure out the best way to do it. And every day that changes. Our podcast uh, guest, Debbie Lachlan, on her first interview, she said to me, you know, I struggle with uh, her whole struggle with modern woman is she wants to be the wife that her husband comes home and she cooked him dinner and she did that. And she's like, but that's old school thinking. And people actually make comments about the fact that I have an old school mentality when it comes to marriage. And I'm like, no. No, I completely understand because I, I'm like that too. I mean, I'm like you. I run a business, but then the other half of me is being the wife and the mom and, and doing all of the things. So I, I do think that's a struggle because it's like, where, how can we still be like these empowered women, but yet still have that, that side of us that wants to do the things for everybody else as well? Yeah, exactly. And I think the beauty of it is that we all have to just recognize that we have the right to define modern woman in any way that we want. The modern woman to me is figuring out how to do this and balance it and still be able to be there for my husband and my children never miss anything because of a meeting always, you know, but that is going to be very, I hate cooking. So I'm never going to be that woman <laughs> who's worried about making dinner for my husband. Although I do, <laughs> but I'd like to have a chef someday. <laughs> we have, we have big goals in this house. but um, And my husband would probably love it too. Cause I enjoy eating, but I am not the cook. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, just taking, being okay with the fact that you can define modern woman in any way that you want and nobody gets the right to judge. Yes. So what is one motto that you live by? I think that would have to be the live your life by choice and not by chance, because we so often don't even realize how you are just going through the motions and putting yourself to the wayside. So it's, it's really recognizing every day, every minute. Sometimes for me, it's actually evaluating three times a day of where I'm at and what I'm doing but is this something, is this a choice that I'm making or is this a choice that I'm choosing not to make? Because when you choose to not make a choice, that's still making a choice. Um, so you want that choice that you're making to be something that's good for you and positive for you and, and brings you happiness. Uh, well, thank you, Jesse, so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I know that it wasn't easy, but I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of women out there that listen to this podcast that are going to be inspired and feel like there's hope. They're not alone in this. Amen. I agree. And I, that was my whole reason of coming on with you, not to mention because I just love you. Um, and I love your community. So thanks for having me on here as well as a part of everything else and, and allowing me to share and start the healing process with that for myself as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.